Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, and I am the Intern Whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and today's tip of the week is continuing our series on unconscious bias. This one is called confirmation bias. This type of bias is when we have an inclination to draw conclusions about a situation or person based on your personal desires, beliefs, prejudices, rather than an unbiased merit. So when hiring, confirmation bias often plays a detrimental role at the very beginning of the process when you first review a resume and form an initial opinion of the candidate based on inconsequential uh, attributes like their name, where they're from, where they went to school, and so forth. This opinion can follow you into the interview process and consequently steer questions to confirm the initial opinion of the candidate. So how can you avoid any type of confirmation bias? Well, one way is to ask standardized skills-based questions that provide each candidate with a fair chance to stand out. This will help prevent your team from asking too many off-the-cuff questions that may lead to a confirmation bias. We want to thank Bulletin.com that created this list of unconscious bias tips that we are sharing here, and we look forward to being a resource to the community with this collective wisdom from out in our world. Thank you. Okay, so I want to welcome to the Intern Whisperer, our show's all about the future of work and innovation, um, Krista Santos. She is the president of CKS Marketing. She specializes in providing strategic marketing solutions for a variety of clients and industries and holds a master's in public administration from UCF. Go Knights. She is active in women's entrepreneurship efforts and the president-elect with NALBO, which has over 10 million women-owned businesses as members in the United States. So our show is, I'm so excited to have you, Krista. I'm very excited. Um, we always talk about education, innovation, and the future of industries. And we kick the show off and say, tell us five words that describe you and why those five words. Okay. Well, thank you for having me here today. I'm excited about the opportunity and looking forward to share with your listeners and viewers. A couple words about me. I would say trustworthy. Mm -hmm. My clients know that they can count on me to deliver when they need to, and I'm there for them. Passionate. I think as an entrepreneur, you need to be uh, invested and it doesn't make it feel like work. You know, it's something that you enjoy. So you have to find that passion and driven. You have to be driven because you're faced with a lot of challenges and a variety of tasks and you can let that get you down. So you have to be driven, get up, you know, keep going every day. Creative, thinking outside the box. I love innovation and collaborative. I love teaming with others, uh, exploring opportunities for synergy and growing those opportunities. Mm. Well, I like how succinctly you uh, package those together. That's really good for a marketing person to do. So you have a gift of being very concise with words. So that's excellent. Thank you. Uh, next question is always like, how did, where did you go to school? How did you get to where you are now? What was that journey like? So you can wind us down there. Feel free to add anything about CKS marketing and then also Novo if you want to. Okay. Thank you. 
Well, I started as a student at UCF. I loved UCF. It was a great opportunity. I was involved in student government, uh, really got my foot wet by doing public relations and helped with preparing the ads and, uh, you know, flyers that would get the students to the football games. And then I emulated one of my sorority sisters. I was an Alpha Delta Pi sorority and she was involved in the Miss UCF pageant. She put all the things together. So I became involved in Panhellenic and created that brochure. And so over time, used the Mac Lab, mm -hmm. uh, learned desktop publishing, and then I graduated and the job market was not great for, you know, someone, a female. And I was, you know, given clerical administrative opportunities. That sucks. It really did. And, <laughs> you know, I felt like I've interned. I've had all of this experience. I've written for the newspaper. You know, why am I not getting the same opportunities as men with the same degree, maybe less experience? So I looked at my resume and uh, made a few calls and Channel 9 took me on and brought me in as an intern, but after graduation. So I had to answer the phone, do the hotline. Uh, and then I was exposed. You know, I just kept asking for more. I always asked for more things that I could do, try to find things to make myself useful. And then I recognized that I didn't like doing the topicals. Um, you know, when the team would come in with the foot video footage and trying to put something together for the five o'clock news, you know, in an hour and 15 minutes, the pressure was, I liked working in a fast paced environment and I did yearbook and newspaper in high school, but this was not the, the fast paced environment I wanted. So I volunteered with nonprofit organizations, the parent resource center. I would write scripts uh, for speaking engagements, press kits, uh, designed flyers and brochures, and worked with a lot of nonprofits. And one of my sorority sisters needed help with the MS Society, and we I helped her with that and helped organize about 3,000 volunteers for their walk, and it was a very big undertaking. So that led me to um, getting a job with Disney. I learned the convention services side, I would put the banquet event orders together and learned about the fairy tale weddings department. And then I kept trying to, mm -hmm. you know, use my degree. I wanted to get into marketing and the opportunities were just not there. So eventually I got a position to become executive director of the Arthritis Foundation. And it was a nine county service area. And uh, I had to build a new board of directors. I had to go to health fairs. Uh, you know, some of the major accomplishments that I'm proud of is that we established a clinic for the medically indigent and we partnered with the Paul Newman Boggy Creek Camp for juvenile rheumatoid arthritis for the children. And that was a big milestone. I'm curious, when did you do that with the Arthritis Foundation? That was between 94 and 97. Mm, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, we did the Jingle Bell Run and did lots of media opportunities, health fairs. I got a car donated by Saturn of Orlando. That's impressive. That's right. Um, and the car insurance from Progressive uh, because I read in our Arthritis Today magazine that they had an ergonomic uh, steering wheel. And then I heard on the radio, they were giving a Saturn car for teacher of the year to explore Saturn. And I thought, well, if they would do that, you know, maybe they would do that for us because we have to go through all these nine county service areas and bring brochures. And we have 
you know, cars that are not really reliable. And so sure enough, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. You put the proposal together, got their attention and we got the car donated. They had the logos put on the side of the car and they did this for five years. Uh, wow. So is that how long you were ED? Partnership. I was there for about four years. Yeah. Okay. So great experience. And then I had a couple of other opportunities, worked with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, did amazing. I never thought I could do a, a walk and raise over $300,000, but we did 330000 and then did the first Brevard County walk and it raised over 80000 mm. And the key was getting the CEOs to uh, commit and then get their list and then find that common thread, you know, finding someone that was affected and impacted by arthritis or rheumatoid or diabetes and helping them tell their story. And that was really the storytelling part that came to light. And then that propelled me to Central Florida Innovation Corporation. I almost didn't call them back. I got this voice message and I was like, see, Vic, what is this? And uh, I learned all about the world of entrepreneurship and it really opened my opportunities at that point. And I worked for CFIC for about seven years. And what is that called? CFIC, yeah. uh, Central Florida Innovation Corporation. Hmm. And we put on our first angel investment conference. And that's where I uh, got connected with UCF and Tom O'Neill and the Office of Research. And, uh, you know, just a lot of interesting people in the community that really worked to build entrepreneurship to what it is today. And the exposure with the Orlando Regional Chamber and the Economic Development Commission and so many other uh, economic service organizations. And then at that point, uh, CFIC was closing. Um, Central Florida Innovation District? Corporation. Uh, I found the corporation, but it's not there. But they now have something called Central Florida Innovation District. So wasn't sure. Yeah, I think that is part of the UCF program uh, mm -hmm. with the business incubation program and the innovation districts that Carol Ann Dykes Logue and others are running. So, um, okay, interesting. Yeah, but it was a great opportunity, and that led me to UCF, and and I was able to help open the business incubation program in 1999, and then worked with UCF for uh, 12 years. Wow. You're kind of a big deal. Uh, I'm just <laughs> going to say that because as you've been talking, I'm over here going, let me look this up and look this up. And your name is like all over the place. You're a little uh, fairy of, you know, sprinkling <laughs> gold dust all over everybody that's in here. And it's very impressive to have raised over $300,000 for the Arthritis Foundation. That yeah. is a hard thing to do. Juvenile uh, Rheumatoid uh, Diabetes Foundation. Yes. Yeah. JDRF. But yes, it is. It takes a lot of people and John Hillenmeyer, who was with Orlando Regional Health at the time, he mm -hmm. was our chair. And Mike Means was the one for Brevard County with uh, Health First. So when you were over there at the TV station, that sounds like it was pretty fun, too. And it's hard to get your foot in the door into anything that's in TV. I know that. It's like getting into sports. You have to know somebody. Yeah. So the fact that you got in there, I mean, it says something for you. You know, you're tenacious. I would add that as a word to you, you know, Thank that you. describes you. So, um, and you know how to deliver impact. That's, that's powerful. Thank you. It taught me a lot about resilience and about 
you know, not being afraid to go after things that you Mm -hmm. need, looking at your skills and figuring out what the gap is, you know, and working to, you know, make uh, less in the gap. What can we do to make ourselves more attractive for the next opportunity? And then when you have a goal in, in mind, you work toward that. Mm-hmm. That from the short little bio that you did of your journey, um, that's what I was gathering as I went. So you you know how to connect the dots for sure. And you understood the focus is always on the other person. So the user experience, whether it was the group that you're raising money for or the nonprofit itself or the always the what's in it for me, who you're asking them to give something that is good. I'm going to have to have more conversations with you because I think that you, you're, I was in fundraising too, but I bow to you. You're really very, very good at this. Very good. Yeah. It's not easy. It is not, but you have a skill for it. Well, thank you. So let's talk about your business now. Okay. Let's hear more about it. Well, I was, I had, just had my daughter in 2003 and, you know, was coming back from maternity leave. And that's when I got the news that unfortunately CFIC was closing. And at that time, you know, I had to make a decision about what I was going to do and came back and I just, you know, kept being surrounded for so many years with entrepreneurs and, you know, startups, what can we do? And I really thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll let people know that I can do work on projects. And then it just took that one base of UCF approaching me about what I could do to work with them doing the same kind of work that I did for CFIC, but that was a foundation. And then that was what I built the other opportunities and they were referrals because it was the good work that you did in your current position and the connections that you made that your work stood out and was a source of referral for others. And I always am mindful of that and tried to make sure that I, you know, when I would work with my interns, I probably had over a hundred throughout the course of my career, making sure that I would give them the same training because I think, you know, you get the expectation, you go to school, you're going to do all these great things. And then reality is a different story and it's a struggle, but you can make lemonade from it and you can build, or you can be frustrated and you can be a victim of whatever fate, you know, hands you. So I really wanted to have a career in marketing. And so taking that leap of starting off small uh, I grew over time and, you know, built my business. And now I, you know, have the reputation and the respect from my clients and I value that greatly. I always try to exceed expectations and I don't overpromise. I, I'm always honest and I want to make sure that, you know, the companies that I work with benefit and they, uh, I, I look at it as extreme home makeover for clients, for businesses. Yeah, yeah. And I love the creativity and I have to feel connected with the people that I work with. So if I'm representing them, I have to feel like I can believe in their businesses and I can support them as entrepreneurs and I can, uh, be that extension and that representative, that ambassador. And I'm happy to do that. So as a marketing company, what else do you do for them? Do you write press releases, help publish those, you know, 
synthesize what is supposed to be on their website? You know, how... We do all of that. We're full service. So uh, we're a boutique agency, so we can scale up as we need to. We handle a lot of different industries, uh, defense contracting, high-tech professional services, nonprofits. Um, We work, you know, we develop websites, digital marketing, uh, media advertising, collateral, uh, press releases, media relations, and branding, market strategy. Is that how you got to Starter Studio? Because I know that's where I think I first officially met you is through Starter Studio. Yes. And I Starter Studio is one of the companies that or organ nonprofits that I worked with through UCF and the time that I was there. And then after, you know, leaving and creating my own business, then they approached me about doing some project work and, you know, help them. So that's how it usually happens. And, you know, it's a great honor to be part of the story. It was, I was part of the marketing support to help launch Starter Studio when it came. And uh, you mean when it was Starter or before that, even before with Canva? That. Yes. Yeah. It was Canva. Well, and wait, Canvas. It was Canvas, Canvas right? Yeah. Kirsty yeah. Chadwick and Donna yeah. McKenzie. And that's a and the deep gang. because yeah. I feel like I should have known you then, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't know. meet I you think... until like Lillian stepped right. in. Lillian Myers. Yes. Yeah. She was the one that contacted me for Starter Studio. Yeah, that is yeah. so crazy. It's like you've always been there. The Kevin Bacon, six degrees. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're like this. <laughs> And just so our listeners know, I'm like making my hands going like airplanes, but they're flying over each other. <laughs> so it's right. like, yeah, and I had never met you. And I just think you're amazing. Oh, so thank yeah, you. yeah, very much so. So I love this story, you know, as you continue to evolve it even more. What are you, what are you branching out to? And what is the next thing that you want to branch out into? Because you said government, nonprofit, startups, you have corporate. I think we've been talking about podcasting because you have a client that wants that. What? Yes. Yes. That's my new, uh, you know, area to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really done anything in that before. So, you know, I mean, I've been around it. I've helped with topics on the, the area to provide to podcasters, but for me to develop our own, you know, and moderate, that'll be a new exciting thing that, um, you know, project that I take on. So happy to looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And also it's the value of being able to collaborate with others. That's where the collaboration comes in. So, you know, talking to folks like you and others along the journey, like Christine Okofsky and and so many, you know, it's great to be able to share and help one another. So mm-hmm. It excited. is. You're very relational is what I also have discovered. And I think that's how you, you're very successful with uh, capturing new clients is because you are relational. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's the secret to sales is really focusing on, again, user experience, customer experience, relationship building. It's key. But I think it's important to hear what they need. You know, so many times we t- we speak um, at them, but we need to listen and mm-hmm. we need to understand where they're coming from and what are the challenges that they're facing in fact, I had a meeting with a potential client today and it was very uh, moving. You know, they found me from a radio station that I had been a, a supporter from for a long time. And we met and we opened with prayer and, uh, you know, they were emotional about what was going on. And, you know, for me to be able to help them, 
is such a reward and a challenge at the same time, but it's exciting. And at the end of the meeting, it went in my favor and I was, you know, grateful for the opportunity that I can, you know, help this organization. So. Gotcha. Well, you're also very involved in the community. I know you don't have all of your volunteering on your LinkedIn because <laughs> I was going over your LinkedIn, you know, earlier today just to see, oh, well, what are all of the volunteer things? They are not there. But I know how involved you are in this community. And you're like, again, you know, I said that little magical fairy that's just dropping <laughs> gold dust all around. You're there. You're at a lot of things uh, that, you know, I know I go to. So what are the things that you're most involved with right now? Sure. Well, right now I'm serving as president of NABO Orlando uh, chapter, which is a very great honor uh, representing uh, women-owned businesses. I'm also involved uh, as an advisor to Global Women of Impact. I'm serving on the endowment committee for my church, the Cathedral Church of St. Luke. Uh, we've also reinstituted our St. Mary's chapter of Daughters of the King. And I am involved in Alpha Delta Pi as an alumnae. Uh, I served previously as an international officer with the sorority, and I would help create alumni associations. I've also been a mentor with UCF and I try to give back, you know, and, and either through the intern program or mentoring with other students, share my knowledge and expertise, because I think that's important to always give back and know where you came mm -hmm. from. And some of these students are, you know, my colleagues and uh, having mm -hmm. families, and that's really rewarding to see them in positions, writing books. Um, it's so exciting. And, um, you know, just involved in any place that, you know, I, I know that I can make an impact. So lots of nonprofits over the years mm -hmm. served on the board for juvenile research foundation, juvenile. So research why foundation. did you pick that group? Is there, is that something in the family? Because I, you know, I think people, my mother died of leukemia. So I'm very, very geared towards th things that are for leukemia and for drug overdose because my youngest brother died of a drug overdose. So what's your mm. connection? Well, that was just an opportunity that arose from, you know, work and mm -hmm. getting the opportunity to work there. So, you know, I felt inspired by what they're doing for research and the programs that they're offering. Uh, that was also what drew me to the Arthritis Foundation. That was a big challenge at the time, taking over, you know, really out of school you know, maybe a year or two, um, building a whole board of directors, but, you know, it, arthritis impacts so many people naturally and, uh, you know, just making sure that there are programs there to support the need of the community. It's, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, well, I know you mentioned a sorority too. I'm guessing that you must do something over there. Yeah, I'm a member of the Alumni Association, so I attend You've events. You've had offices with the alumni? I was the chapter president of uh, the or Greater Orlando Alumni Association twice. Okay. So I've, I've worn that hat, and, um, you know, now I'm happy to serve whenever they need help, you know, with recruitment or, um, you know, attending events, uh, speaking, you know, giving back in those ways. Yeah. You, you sound like you never sleep. So let's talk about NABO. What is NABO? 
NABO Orlando is the National Association of Women Business Owners, and we are celebrating our 48th year. And uh, it's it's exciting because we are the voice of women businesses. So our mission is to propel women into spheres of influence for economic impact, um, advocacy, and then also with their businesses in society. So we're really trying to develop programs that are educational and informative, and then also have that connection. We, we have events on a local level. We're all volunteer driven. So we change positions every year. And um, I think that allows the opportunity for growth and development. And we see women businesses of all stages and, and development. They're not necessarily technology focused, um, but we want them to be successful because they're the backbone of our economy. Mm-hmm. And then on a national level, there are you know, 40 webinars and programs uh, with the NABO Institute that they can connect with. We have over 60 chapters across the country and international affiliates and over 5,000 members. Wow. And the biggest part that NABO plays is really having a seat at the table for the SBA, Small Business Administration, and access to Congress and being able to have impact on a legislative scale. And that's something that's interesting to me because I have a master's in public administration. So maybe in the future, that might be opportunities to serve on a national level. You know, what what does Congress need to know to help women businesses? What are the biggest obstacles that we face? Funding is one. Yep. And um, I know a lot of people with just the certification, the red tape sometimes of, you know, being able to have these certifications that can help your businesses get to the next level. So, you know, the peer sharing and having access to other women that have been there and done that, that's really where NABO comes in. And I've been able to get new clients from NABO. I've partnered with people through NABO. Um, Again, it's like a sisterhood. We call it the Teal Tribe. And uh, because the colors are teal, but it really means so much more. It's, you know, that unconditional support that you know that you can call upon people to, you know, help you if you're struggling with a challenge or a problem. And, you know, whether it's on a local level or a national level, you're going to get the answer that you need. And it's going to be the right answer. It's going to be uh, rooted in knowledge and experience. Mm. You really have a good gift with words. Really, you do. What um, when you were at UCF was uh, the Nicholson School? Was it? It was not. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I had Bob wondering. Davis, and I had the famous speech. I I am proud to say that I was, you know, I got an A in the class, and Marla Weech was one of the <clears> ones <throat> that was his star student. So I felt like okay. I, you know, and I was nervous when I was giving my speech, but it, I saw a bug on the floor. And I think that just made everybody freak out for a minute. And then that sense of anxiety left me and I was able to do a great job. <laughs> I did where there's a will, there's an A uh, on study habits and I nailed it. So I was so proud of myself, but it was, it was a great experience. It was a great major. And uh, I love my time at UCF. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I would think so. And it's the Night Nation now, you know, the largest university in the country, but, you know, rising in prominence. And um, are you sure about that, though? Because I think uh, University of Arizona, they go back and forth on this. Yeah, they do. 
the time I was there, I know, you know, the numbers kind of go back and forth, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that the reason why, um, I mean, the numbers could be the same, but you, University of Arizona is so big based on their um, online program. And I think that's where they, because they count both sides yes. on the ground and versus the other. So I think UCF is unique though, because of the collaboration and the partnerships, you know, our business incubation program and the innovation districts that, you know, Carol Ann and others are leading is one of the really uh, crowning accomplishments. You know, it takes a lot of resources to pull together. So we're lucky that our city works in uh, tangent with our county, you know, and then we have the National Entrepreneur Center. Uh, NEC is just amazing. And all of the different uh, chamber organizations that are under one roof, SBDC, SCORE. You know, there's a lot of people, even like the person I met today, that have never heard of them and don't know about Isn't the that amazing? Right. So it's like our job to be an ambassador to help bring it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about NABO and how we can help you. So. Yeah. Well, I, I have enjoyed this little journey on the inside of some things that I did not know. But um, NABO should have presence over there, do they? In the... We are. We're a partner. We don't have an office, but okay. we're a partner and we hold our meetings, our lunch and learn meetings. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I was wondering about yeah. that one. And you can find us at naboorlando.org. Perfect. Perfect there. Okay. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to go into some more personal questions so that our listeners can get an idea a little bit more about you. So they are something that's uh, a little more revealing. Uh, What is the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? I really have to say uh, when I was losing the opportunity at CFIC, when it was closing, it was like a family, Mm -hmm. you know, we really felt a bond in the beginning you know, it was kind of like a regular office and, you know, people were busy, but then toward the end, uh, it became a family. And so when it was closing, it was, it was hard. And then it was a really big stretch to take the advice that we were giving to other people and apply it to yourself. You know, um, it's a stretch when you decide that you want to work for yourself and take that leap. And then there's some faith, you know, where we don't see, we can't, we don't know exactly what's going to happen on the other side. So we have to be a little brave and courageous to take that step. We could fall or we could stand, you know? And so I just felt like, you know, all the things were leading me in that direction. When you know that you don't, face insurmountable odds or challenges and things just sort of open naturally, mm-hmm. that to me is a sign that I am being guided, but you have to be open to receive. And yes. when you are, then you know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. I know, just so you know, I have a lot of guests that share their faith here. It's not it's not something that we discourage. We want people to do that. And it, this particular response that you gave about the hardest lesson really ties into what you said your favorite quote was, which was Philippians 4.13. But I'm going to let you go ahead and share that one. I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me. Yeah. So, yeah. And that tied in so beautifully with that story about the hardest lesson, because you said you have to walk in faith. And that is truly hard for people. And I think many times if we couldn't see we would have probably greater faith. 
That's true. Yeah. And it's, it's the challenges that shape us to be, you know, we're, we're in the better servant, Mm -hmm. a better servant because we're all here to serve. Well, what are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for my family and, um, my, you know, blessing of having my work that, you know, fulfills me, uh, being able to leave a positive impact with people, finding places better, leaving places better than I found them. And just the journey itself with meeting lots of different people, you know, there's always someone that you're going to learn from. I think when you never stop learning and you grow, it just, it's part of that maturing that you go through. We go through different phases of our life and then it's like, oh, that was what that was for. Now I get it. But at the time I didn't. Um, I think all of that comes full circle, but you have to be wiser. And then through age, as we mature, we get that. Yeah. We become more beautiful on the inside, hopefully, than maybe the youth when we're in our younger years. We, you know, we may look great. We may have be taking really good care of our body, or we take it for granted, honestly, that we can do things, right? You know, whether it's like being able to just get up off of the ground or whatever. But (laughs) I don't have that problem yet, but I'm thankful. But, you know, nonetheless, it's, you really see a more beautiful person on the inside than where you were before. Well, and I think a lot of the challenges that we faced with COVID and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many things that have stretched our way, you know, you don't think, those types of things change you, but they do. Yeah. And they're still having impact. But, you know, we rise and we get up and we do what we need to do. But I think it's about the attitude that you have and surrounding yourself with people that will bring positive energy mm-hmm. and then removing those negative that, you know, detract. Yeah. Well, who in your life has had the biggest impact? I would have to say that probably my mom, you know, my mother has been a rock and she's always been my best friend and, you know, just being there for me um, unconditionally and uh, supporting me and cheering me on. And um, there's nothing like having the love of a mom and, you know, knowing that they're there for you and just proud of everything that you do. And I know that every, you know, as my mother is aging every day that I have with her is a gift and I don't take it for granted. And it's important. You said you have a daughter and you have a son, right? mm -hmm. So your mom then, and you get to see it from a different point of view, I think that the best gift that parents can give their children is one, uh, the first is like a, showing them what a committed, healthy marriage would look like. Um, I think that's certainly one thing. The second is to demonstrate how you love people that have raised you and then become the caretaker for them. So I think those two areas are like the best gift you can give a child so that they can carry that out into the world. I don't think a lot of people do that, especially if they've gone through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it takes even more. (laughs) I sit here and go, wow, if you could be such great parents divorced and then you're not fighting over your kid or anything like that, and you're being super 
communicative, thinking, why couldn't you have done that when you were married? But there's reasons, you know, and so not always there. But I I feel like what you're um, giving your children is the best examples of how to be a good husband, good wife for each of your kids, and then also how to be a good friend and how you would like them to take care of you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's important. Family is um, just one of the most important things. And, you know, you can, I think the biggest thing is understanding the balance. You know, mm-hmm. you can have work, but it doesn't love you back. And you want to not sacrifice your family. So it's, you know, that's always the challenge is how do you balance all of those things? But I think uh, having faith and, you know, having that higher power really helps to put things in perspective and keeps you grounded. So, yeah, there was a guest I had before you and he, instead of using the word balance, and I've used that a lot, he used a word that I haven't heard used before in the podcast. And he said, you know, you have to govern yourself. And I went, you know what? I really like that word choice because I think it's even more powerful than balance because I don't think we can really stay in balance. But yet the word govern really shows me that I've got choices. True. Right. And I just felt like, but yet it's so intentional. It means that you're really, really, it's not like, oh, I'm making a choice or I'm going to try. There's no try. There's either do or not, but there is govern. And that means that I'm keeping myself in check. Mm Mm-hmm which is really a very powerful word. That is. I like it. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Well, it's for Roger. Roger Hunt, (laughs) this one's for you, buddy. Okay. So what would you want to be remembered for in life? I would like to be remembered for uh, making an impact in my community, you know, whether it's through the work I've done um, with my nonprofits the organizations, my children, uh, my church, my family, um, just knowing that, you know, I was able to be a light and a good role model for others and, you know, just bringing about positive impact. Yep. Everything is about impact. Have you um, heard of, now I had not heard of this before, um, a government resume, and it's all about the amount of impact that you can bring. And once I started researching those, and this was just like a few months ago, I went, wow, these are powerful numbers. They're really big numbers, whether it's the number of people that you serve or the amount of money that you may uh, have, you know, in your power, I'm going to use that word again, but to be able to manage and to do good things. It was just an incredible resume. And I went, I I think we should be learning this at the beginning when we're first creating resumes, because it's really hard to go back in your life and go, well, what did I do with this? You know, with this opportunity that I had to be, just like you said, you know, something that was um, a light, Mm -hmm. you know? Do you have that kind of a resume? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen them? Because most people have not seen them. And I'm going to show it to you offline because it was really, it was just astonishing how much a person has achieved in their life. And But we don't measure our lives that way. No, I would love to see it. 
Yeah. I've started teaching this type of resume because I I keep going back every time I teach it. I go, okay, I'm going to go put this over here because I actually did this. This is how many students I, I taught in this lifetime, you know, as a public classroom teacher. This is you know, how many adults I, I worked with, you know, whether it's in employers for change, but there's these places mm-hmm. that um, I think it becomes the eulogy that would be shared in this last question that I had asked, right? Like, mm-hmm. what would you want to be remembered for? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I would like to learn. Sounds good. Well, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Now we're back to the second half of our show, and this is where we talk about the future of jobs and industries and what does 2030 look like? And this is where there is no right or wrong answer. It's anything you can imagine. So put on your director hat if you love sci-fi movies or if you're a writer, whatever it is, but it's science fiction. It's 2030, which is really right around the corner, basically. It's like six years away, right? So what does it look like? It can be anything. It's not tied to your industry. Do you think George Jetson cars are going to really be flying yet? Do you feel like we'll be living under the ocean or out on another planet? It can be anything. Well, I do think they're going to have flying cars because I think I've heard that. They are flying now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just like right around the corner. And then um, I forget where it was. I don't know if it's in Dubai. It was that city that Mm -hmm. they're raising that's like, you know. Um, it looks like a rectangle and, uh, you know, I, when you say that they're raising, do you mean that they're building it or they're actually excavating it? I think they're building it. Um, I, I know I researched something and I saw it's like a whole city within and it's everything contained. And it's inside of a bubble or something? It's not a bubble, but it's like a rectangle and it's flat and it, it, you know, is long and it's like trying to take up less um, oh. of a footprint. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it says Saudi Arabia is building the line, a new the line. Ci- yes. Yeah, a new city enclosed um, through, it will snake through the Saudi desert. And is that a good idea? <laughs> but you know, it's 105 miles long. Um, wow. A tall and narrow strip of a city. With 9 million residents and yeah. running entirely on renewable energy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that like blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's going to be quite a city. Hmm. Well, that's intriguing. Um, okay, so I can <laughs> see that. I've never been to Dubai. Have you? I have not. Is it on your list? I would like to go there, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, So they have very tall buildings, taller than what we have here in the United States. And I always find that interesting because I go, but aren't they just on sand? And how do they stay up in the air that long? And it just seems like so incredibly hard. Yeah, it would be, I don't know, they're very aggressive in the development over there. And, you know, it's quite impressive with the architecture. That's for sure. Okay, so going back, flying cars, what else are you envisioning? Well, I know the way marketing is going to be done, I think will be, you know, changing. I know uh, I've 
read about Elon Musk, you know, building Neuralink with the brain and how advertising is going to target the brain specifically. Um, that'll be interesting in 2030 with our messaging and um, location-based AI and AR advertising, looking at, you know, the 5G networks and location, uh, how that's going to target, because everybody wants to know your cookies and where you're at. I think having the hyper-connectivity will be helpful. Um, Advertising will be based on uh, physical location and presence of people with a lot more impact. I don't think I've heard about this thing. Uh, Oh, a brain chip. Says mm-hmm. Elon Musk brain chip startup Neuralink. Neuralink. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a little scary. It is a little scary. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be implants for humans to interact with computers. It says that it's for people that have some type of par- paralysis. So that's um that's interesting. Do you ever see? Have you ever seen Black Mirror? I have not. Okay, you should definitely watch that one for sure because I've been watching this as a series. It's on Netflix. Okay. And it's also, it's very dark. I'm not going to lie to you. It's very dark. And it's like, what is the worst thing that we could be doing with with the type of technology and how we could, if we don't you know, harness it wisely, um, govern it wisely, then we could be in a lot of trouble. Um, they did have something uh, like this as one of the the series it's like five there's Hmm. five episodes in a series that they put out and the newest ones are one of them is about something like this so it's interesting i would i've been talking about this show for i don't know a year now but um it's always something that you sit here and you think and go well just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it maybe not or it's a cautionary tale as to what can happen if we are not being thoughtful and responsible. Right. Yeah. And that's the terrifying, you know, thought right now with Terminator and those types of things. They used to be very futuristic, but I know Elon Musk has come out and said, you know, we need to be careful about the AI and, you know, what the negative impact is. So, but yet he's doing this thing. Now, I know <laughs> Neuralink and I'm sitting here and I understand it's for for people with paralysis. So there's, you know, we'll say that there's a good thing. And I have, I can't even talk about it because I have just been, as you continue to talk, I'm going, okay, Mm -hmm. what's this, what's this? And I can, you know, look it up and look at it later, but I'm going to go grab this, this link here and then put it in the, in the notes. Um, But I find this intriguing that we have people that are doing these things, but yet, um, I don't know if they really think through it all. Do you think Elon, I don't know. Does he really think through things like he should? I, I think it's hard for anyone to really think through because there's so many well, that's avenues. why you have to have advisors, right? Right, yeah. And um, it's a risk. I mean, you know, obviously you want to progress and then now everything is chat GPT and AI and it's kind of, you know, you have to embrace it. Um, but there definitely needs to be some higher connection, um, you know, so that it doesn't get in the hands of adversaries. But that's that's the challenge. I I totally get it. I totally get it. And that can keep you up at night. So, <laughs> um, yeah. 
So you've been working remotely since COVID. I know you mentioned it earlier. And so when we look at how you were working before COVID and how you work now, do you have a preference? Um, I have always been remote. So, you know, it, it really didn't matter for me with COVID. Um, but now there's been a change with people getting more, you know, back together. There's, you know, people are starved for the human contact, right. you know, networking has definitely increased with NABO. You know, a lot of our programs were virtual and then it was a mix, a hybrid, and now it's all in person, mm-hmm. you know, people are back and, uh, you know, it's, there isn't a replacement for that human connection. No. People still need, I mean, you can still use some of the tools as convenience, but even with AI, you know, you still need to have the human element to oversee and run it. Um, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree. I think that there's going to be a movement to make it so that we remember how to be relational and how to be intentional because we're on these devices so much when we're connected to whether you go to a gym, you're you're over there on something that's electronic and it's measuring, you know, something that you're doing. If you're on some type of a treadmill or whatever kind of device, you might have an app connected to you at the same time that's in your phone. So there's always a device that's around us that's listening to us and measuring and gathering data. And I feel like there's going to be this place where it's going to be more of like, well, how do we make sure we are really connecting with a person? Well, and I think that ties into a lot of what's happening with the youth today with uh, the rise of depression and, uh, you know, social media and just not having the physical relationships. The, the, Young people are definitely more tuned into scrolling on TikTok or, you know, what's happening um, on their digital devices, and they're not having those relationships as much. So it's mm-hmm. important for them to get into sports and to get into clubs and to get back to basics, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just, you know, the movement from farm to table, knowing where your food comes from and being part of that sustainability Um, Just getting out and playing, you know, recess. I know they were trying to take that away for a while, but the brain needs that to process. And there is a connection with the mind body. And so, you know, I think the simpler things that we had, you know, it shouldn't be replaced. So there needs to be that governance or that balance, Mm -hmm. you know, where we can have a combination because, you know, all digital and no other, you know, you can't really survive. Your body needs that uh, connectivity and just going through it, that immersion. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an app um, that I had tested out for a little bit uh, to help me sleep, Mm. help me sleep better. I don't have a problem with sleeping, but I was intrigued. I literally just fall into bed and I go to sleep. But I wanted to just see, well, what was this about? Because they had had we always hear about white noise and then there's green noise and there's brown noise. And there was just all of these different types of, of background noises that can help, help a person fall to sleep better. And I went, well, I'm intrigued enough to, to try it out. So I have it, but it tells you that you're supposed to keep it, your phone plugged into the wall so it doesn't die. 
And it's always listening you, listening to you. And it can tell if you've been like moving around, if you're talking in your sleep, if you're making snoring, if you make other bodily sounds, <clears throat> it'll tell you all of that. And I went, I don't know if I like the yeah. idea because I mean, that's information that maybe I want to know. Right. But it's also meaning that somebody's gathering that information Absolutely. for some reason. Well, and that happens now. Like you might have a conversation and then, you know, a couple of minutes later, you look on your phone and got an ad. Exactly. And so it's like, really? But it, they're yeah. listening. Yeah. yeah. Constantly, constantly listening. And where it goes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, okay. Robots. What do you think about robots? Do you well, know Wendy Austin? I'm pretty sure you I have don't. To. She's with the first and they help. She's been a guest on my podcast. And just so you know, so was Carol Ann. So okay. I hope you go listen to Carol Ann's. She, yeah. I, I liken her to that movie Hidden Figures, where it was the, uh, the black lit women that came into NASA and they were, you know, helping with all of the type of math issues that they were having. And she was like that. So if you watch the, or listen to the show, you're going to go, wow, she was one of the first people that were pioneering as a woman in this field of STEM and tech mm. back then. Yeah, she's amazing. Anyway, Wendy Austin with the first, um, she is the executive director of a group that helps from kindergarten to college age, build robots, kids, oh, all of all sizes. Yeah. And they compete in these competitions and it's oh, pretty, wow. it's pretty fun. Um, I was really impressed. And her show has uh, been one of the fan favorites is what I've noticed so far. It's downloaded a lot, but she's, she, her background was in theater and you would love okay. this woman. You're going to oh, want to meet her now. Meet her. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me, as you were talking about STEM, I forgot to mention Tech Sassy Girls. I've been involved with them for about yep. 10 years, Dr. Lane Powell. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of program, the Pearls in Tech. They just had a their, um, over the summer, the six-week work internship programs where the girls learn new skills and um graduate with opportunities for their career development and the tech conference that she usually puts together once a year, you know, because they're able to see the role models of people who, who have been in these positions and do it. And then that inspires the girls. So mm -hmm. serving the underrepresented middle and high school girls so that they can pursue STEM careers, feeding that pipeline. Mm -hmm. She does great work too. She does. Yeah, yes. Really, yeah. really great work. I and her husband, Courtney, um, ACE applications also. Yeah. They're a power couple. They are. Uh, that's really. what I think of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, very good. So with the robots coming back over there, we have robots that are here in central Florida and they will bring you food over there in Osceola County. There are robots in another restaurant that I understand that is in Orlando. I cannot remember the name of it. But somebody had told me about that they're there. And there was supposedly, not robots, but it's being run by robots. No humans are inside of a McDonald's. It's in Florida and don't know where, but it was in Florida. And you go in, get your order, pay. It's all done on the kiosk. And then, you know, your food rolls out to you. There's no humans. And I went, that is sad because I really like going into a McDonald's to have somebody say, hey, have a nice day. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know that's the the combination, you know, the advent of technology and then what it means for workers, yeah. you know, those first jobs, lead? right? Right. We're talking a lot about youth and those youth 
may not be people that would go for a, a typical programming degree. Not everybody, I was not meant to be a programmer. And that helps with customer service because mm-hmm. when you, you know, work a job, I did customer service on the phone for Disney. So, mm-hmm. you know, having those positions helps you for other things, learning how to talk. Yes. And understand how to work and behave differently in a work environment versus school versus Mm -hmm. your personal life. You know, that's very different personas that we present. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Well, that's also one of the things for marketing. They're going to have bot optimized marketing. So what is that? Where you're going to be, you know, content and marketing copy is not just going to be addressing people, but you're going to be selling to bots. So, um, you know, whether how do you sell to a bot? You're going to be appealing to shopping criteria. Uh, that's going to be interesting. I don't know how that works exactly, but mm. we'll have to go find more. About it'll be that. a trend. Yes. I think you should talk about that. That should be an article you write. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When you yeah, have extra yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to, I mean, it, it is, it's interesting to see how technology is impacting all the things that we do traditionally. But, you know, I think there's still the combination of what works in the marketplace. So I don't think that will go away, but um, it's interesting to see how it changes. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot about how this can impact all different types of people. But what about the ethics? Something that I was looking at is, is there an ethics board that's out there with AI and how it's being used in the world? And I I was doing a lot of research on this, like, I don't know, three Mm -hmm. weeks ago to see what committees there were. I know that World Economic um, Summit, that always comes up and they address these kind of things there. But World Economic Forum does have an interest in this area of ethics and AI. And there's other groups that are forming around it. So I was interested in starting something, if it's not here in Central Florida, where we address the ethics of STEM, of technology, of AI, and the impact that it has in our lives, but also as it relates to jobs. Because if I have a Down syndrome person, they they will they may not have the ability to be one of these things, but they could have been the best McDonald's greeter in the world. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we need to protect mm-hmm. some of these things that are there that help remind us to be um, aware Mm -hmm. of other people around us. Sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's value in so many different um, levels of work that people can do. And when you just remove it completely and make it um, automated, I think that is a missed opportunity because it could be, something that humans still do. So I would like to see that, you know, that's not forgotten. Um, mm-hmm. So people can have those opportunities. Yeah. I like how you said that, that it create it could create a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's key. That is really, really key. And it's important to remember that these are always opportunities that we have. And instead of just racing through our life, we should be more slow and just really notice what's around us. Well, every experience that you have prepares you for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not know it at the time, but 
when you started out and you were in customer service and you were, you know, interfacing with the customer and taking the order or handling the cash that was preparing you for how to deal with people. And, you know, then you go to your nonprofit work and you are, you know, dealing with people that need questions about arthritis and the, you know, aquatic classes or, you know, different things that are going on. So, you know, everything prepares you for the next part of your journey. It's just how you approach it. Maslow's theory, Mm -hmm. being very self-aware. Yes. Yes. And self-awareness starts with noticing people around you, not just just flowing through life. Um, This has been a great, great interview. It's been very deep, I think, deep. And I I appreciate that quite a bit. It's really hard to believe this has almost been an hour. So (laughs) uh, best mentoring advice that you would want to share with our listeners? I think it's to teach somebody how to do your job. So, you know, when you're looking to mentor others, you're looking to create your successors. and you know, holding things to the vest, I think limits because we want to be able to share. It's about sharing. And, um, I think that's the biggest thing is never stop learning. And then also giving, because we have to recognize that when we get to a place we have to be able to give back. And so many times people get to a level and they forget the stepping stones along the way, the starter studios, you know, that they Mm -hmm. need to give back and fund or, um, you know, help. It really matters, you know, spending time at your college alumni, uh, you know, mentoring children, whatever it might be, but playing a role that makes your community better because it is all part of the building blocks. And we all want the same things. We all want success and happiness and good outcomes, positive outcomes. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? They can find me on my website and my social media. Uh, My website is cksmarketing.com and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Krista K. Santos and Instagram. Well, let's spell Krista. Oh, C-H-R-I-S-T-A. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And Instagram, CKSmarket.com. Gotcha. We also included your uh, LinkedIn account so okay. people can reach out to you there. And I think you mentioned the Instagram one, I think. But yes, all of this will be published on the close card of our guest. We always do a, a contact card for the guests so people okay. can see that. They find that on YouTube for sure. Great. Well, it has been delightful having you here as a guest. You're like awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm really too. well, thank you. you but easy. You're great. <laughs> thank host. you. But I I've really learned so much more about you that I just didn't know. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat Five Studios, and thank you to our video team, Gabe Laporte, Tommy Myers, Andrew Pigott, and Julissa Hurtado. Music is by Charles Lawrence Lead. And you can visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while scaling your people for the future work. Thank you for supporting The Intern Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.